my speed to estimating was super low, like or slow. I would say a standard roof estimate, just a roof was taking me 72 hours to turn around. And now I can turn around a roof estimate within two hours, or maybe I'll even show up and have numbers with me if they want to discuss. I never try to close in the house. People are like, how are you selling $3.2 million when you're not doing a one call close? That's why I'm doing $3.2 million because I don't put pressure on people. What's going on, everyone? Back with another episode of The Nailed It Show, where we talk about the business of construction. We've had a lot of really awesome guests on this year, recording this in December as we're wrapping up 2022. And one of the people that I've gotten to know throughout the course of this year is actually someone from my home state right here in New Jersey. But we did not meet in New Jersey. We met in, uh, where, what city was that? Florida. Flor- weren't we in Florida? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just, I just got off a plane. So I'm like, what? I, I, I'm a little foggy right now. But uh, yeah, so we met in Orlando. Uh, Amanda Vinot is a sales and design consultant for George Keller and Son Roofing Contracting in New Jersey. And she's only been in the industry, in the roofing industry for a couple of years and has hit some pretty stellar sales targets already. And she's just getting started. So she's got a really good business mind, really good, uh, you know, focused on personal development and all that good stuff as most of us are. So I wanted to bring her on to share some of her top secrets on how she's been able to really hit the ground running over the past couple of years with, uh, with her new sales career, new-ish sales career in, uh, in the roofing contracting industry. So what's going on, Amanda? How are you? I'm great, Joe. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And I'm uh, honored to be in your presence. I definitely consider you a mentor of mine. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm just a guy with a podcast with a platform. So let's just have a conversation. Um, no, it's it's been cool to kind of get, get to know you on you know, online, the meeting in person and continuing that conversation. And just like, you know, the like attracts like, you know, the like-minded people that are, you know, focused on doing the right things and, uh, and growing every day personally and professionally. So, so yeah, I think you have a lot to bring to the audience and definitely want to dive into, uh, some of your, your sales strategies, your mindset around that, some of the ways that you differentiate yourself out there in the market. Um, but first off, let's, uh, dive in, you know, what's your background? How'd you end up here? That sort of thing. I think we need more than an hour for that, but I'll try to be brief. (laughs) So like many people in the roofing world that didn't grow up in roofing, I came from a completely different industry. I was actually in human resources consulting from the time I graduated college back in 2010 through 2018. And from 18 to 20, I had my own retail store because I got out of HR consulting, moved into my own business with a retail store. COVID happened, closed that business, and then I made a single email to Dan Keller, who owns Keller & Sons, because he and I sat on the same business board for a long time together. And I said, this isn't a joke. I'm being serious. You used to tell me if I ever wanted to come work for you that you would hire me, and now I need a job. So with zero roofing experience and really zero formal sales experience other than having my own business, he hired me. And within three months, I was in a training program for selling. And within, gosh, nine months of my first day, I was in a full-time sales role. Wow. Okay. Uh, that, that was pretty quick. That wasn't an hour. But <laughs> one of the things I'm interested in personally, because I left uh, you know, steady paycheck to go out and start my own business 10 years ago. And it sounds like you did that too. Mm-hmm. What what made you want to take that entrepreneurial leap to go from HR consulting to starting a retail company? And what what was that real retail company, by the way? So the retail store was called Mamique, and it actually started from a community that I grew on Facebook. And it was a, a hyper-local community of moms here in Morris County, New Jersey. And I was looking for a community center where we could take our online digital connections and bring that to life. And there wasn't really the perfect spot. So I created my own. 
I had 4,500 square feet of prime retail space in Morris County. And we did everything. We had workshops, event rental space for baby showers. We had a whole boutique for baby clothes and maternity clothes. So it was really like a hub for all things moms. And that was great. I still run that online platform. Once the store closed, I still ran the online platform, which is one of the secrets to my success, which I'll dive into with you. But from an entrepreneurship perspective, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom had her own business for 30 years. Um, she retired a few years ago. A couple of my relatives also have construction-ish type businesses, whether it's on the landscape design side or actually um, renovations. So it's sort of in my blood. And I was just always told that if you want something in life, you have to work hard for it. And I'd rather at that point in time have worked for myself than somebody else. So that's why I love sales, because you're basically running your own business, but you sort of fall back on somebody else's brand at the same time. So it's it's the best of all worlds for me, as I get the comfort and the consistency of having a 42-year-old company behind me. But then I also get to be super entrepreneurial and uh, business-minded on my day-to-day role. That's really cool that you found that combo and that that makes a lot of sense. And it's really, really interesting how you started your business, where is the online community? And then there is this desire, this need to bring it into a in-person uh, environment, because that's exactly how I started my business as well. Uh, really? For, yeah. From a Facebook group back in 2000, late 2012, early 2013, had a local Facebook group for Jersey Shore contractors, which is where I am. And it was a directory. I had like a directory website, a Facebook group. And I would like have these coffee meetups Friday morning, 7am at Green Planet Coffee Shop. I would tell you know whoever they want, whoever wanted to show up could show up, you know, coffee and bagels on me. And that was kind of how I started just kind of being at the center of a lot of different conversations and interactions. And I didn't really have anything to sell people at the beginning. And, you know, guys started asking me like, what do you do? And I was like, well, what do you need help with? Like, (laughs) you you know, websites and marketing and stuff like that. Like, and so that's how I started. And um, yeah, so it's interesting because we all, you know, you and I connected here on Facebook and everyone who's consuming this content right now is either on YouTube or a podcast or something like that. Like we're all connected on social media, but don't forget about like the need for human connection for like the in-person relationships. Like it is so key. Uh, to not 100%. Get, to not get sucked into the metaverse and you know live in that world like we've got to live in the real world. So uh, I hope that doesn't uh, go away. But that's that's a really I cool agree. story. Thanks. I love to learn that about you. I had no idea. Yeah, it's uh, I, I forget it's so long ago, but yeah, and and one of those guys, uh, Nick Forcell, who was at one of the original meetups, he's still a. I mean, he's still a client and friend today, um, and has referred me to like an insane. That's he's why I'm in the roofing industry. So he sucked me wow. in. So, yeah, you're right. No one chooses it. Roofing chooses you. You kind of end up there. So yeah. So anyway, you reached out to George. You guys are on a on a business board. You reached out to him. Was it just for purely for like I need a job and need to make money? Like was that the motive? Yes, because when you put almost two hundred thousand dollars of your own money into a business that is now going defunct because of a pandemic, you don't have a choice when you have a newborn baby and a two year old at home. So (laughs) I was in a a literal and proverbial corner Yeah, and I I had no choice but to figure out how I was going to make money because my husband's a teacher. It's not like he makes a ton of money. So I took a really big risk and put a whole bunch of, of my money and my family's money into this business that was now not going to work out. And I had to figure out how to pay all that money back and make up for lost time. Wow. That's scary. That's super scary. Yeah. But I, but I can see, like you kind of mentioned before, like the comfort of a 42-year-old or at the time 40-year-old company yes. uh, that uh, you know was an essential business if we're talking pandemic times. So so that's cool. So that was a couple of years ago. Fast forward to like where you're at today, what you're doing, uh, and then we can kind of go back and kind of close that gap to where you, to how you got here. But where are you at now? If you want to share any sales numbers, feel free. If not, that's cool too. Whatever you want. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. I am in a position that I never thought I would be in if you asked me two and a half years ago, which is awesome because for me as a risk taker and somebody who sort of thrives on 
the unknown or something different every single day, it's great for me. But I sometimes have to pull myself back because I am that type of person that doesn't really celebrate my wins. I'll give myself a pat on the back and say, good job. What's next? Now that I'm going into a year and a half, um, a little over a year and a half of selling full time, I've learned a lot. And I work for somebody who genuinely believes that the most successful salespeople don't need to have targets or quotas or anything like that because you're always going to outpace where you want to be or where you think you can be. And he sort of, Dan sort of set like a a target for me because I kept asking for one. I was like, I don't know what an average sales target is for the roofing industry. And, And I found out that it was between like one and one and a half million in your first year. And that's actually more on the storm side of things that I heard that number over and over again. Maybe you know better than I do, Joe, what a, you know, what a solid first year sales target is for a retail salesperson. But when Dan said 2 million, I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know any better. So I sort of just jumped right in. And my first full year of selling, I hit just under two and a half million. I think I was at like 2.495. I was bummed that I didn't hit (laughs) 2.5. Um, Someone's got to have a five thousand dollar window job or siding repair or something like that. I should have sold myself some gutters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There you go. (laughs) um, Yeah, so I I exceeded sort of his arbitrary target by about five hundred thousand my first year, and now I'm on track to do three point two, maybe a little bit more, in my second full year. And my first full year was basically like March fifteenth of twenty twenty one to. March 14th of 2022. And then I'm on that cycle. So it's not Jan 1 to December 31. It's sort of mid-March through mid-March. Okay. Gotcha. You have your own fiscal year, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I will be hitting over 3 million in the calendar year though. I'm at like 2.93 right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's December 8th. So you got 70K in uh, in pipeline right now, hopefully. More than that. I just sold six six jobs in the last 48 hours. So. <laughs> wow. What yeah. a beast. I feel bad that I'm holding you back. You're here on the podcast. You should be out selling, closing some more deals. <laughs> uh, hey, don't, don't take that the wrong way. Some of those six were in the pipeline for about two and a half weeks before Thanksgiving. Yeah, they, I bet. They all closed within the last 48 hours after a little bit of a dry spell. Okay. I Hey, that's that's how business goes. That's how sales goes. It's uh, Sometimes you can really get yourself in a panic if you look at it day by day or week by week, but like you got to look at it. You know, I look at it on a monthly basis. And even then, you know, sometimes you have to zoom out and look at the big picture. That's incredible. That's awesome. And I, I, you. your time's even more valuable. So thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are awesome numbers. I don't know what an average would be. Like I was thinking of it when you're talking about it. Like you know, you have storm restoration, you have retail, there's residential, commercial. There are so many different variables in that. Yeah. But to sell 2.5 your first year and to, and to be at if you're you know 3.2 second year, like that's that's incredible. Like that's more than most companies do in year one and year two. So right. that's that's huge. I think. Most people, I, I would assume that you're in the 97th percentile as far as like, you know, first and second year sales as out of everyone listening or watching this right now. So that's, that's great. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, now, now you've kind of dropped that bomb with us, Amanda. So we got to tell people how you did it. Like what are, you know, I know there's no secrets, but like, what is your approach? Is it, you know, talk about the training that you've gotten at the company, talk about the approach that you have. I know you have a network that we'll talk about. What goes into selling five mil in your first two years? Like that's awesome. Wow. That's a that's such a it's a loaded question and it's almost hard to answer because I had a, a phenomenal conversation the other day with my girlfriend Mara. She actually is a top realtor for Weikert here in Morris County over and over and over again. And we had a phenomenal conversation because she's in sales, obviously. And we're like the one percenters, meaning we are the 1% of people who will not take no for an answer. And it's not necessarily that we're not taking a no from a homeowner, but we're not letting ourselves fail. So 
it's just our, it, we're born with that. And you probably can pick that one person out of 100 people in our room, Joe, and say they just have it. Like they just, their personality just sort of is in perfect alignment with what they are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their passion is aligned, their purpose is aligned, their people skills are aligned. Everything sort of is just on this, this line that is perfect for them. And I always struggled in my other roles. I was always getting bored. My husband jokes around that I hit the two-year mark with jobs. And I'm like, all right, see ya. I'm done. I'm bored. I did everything I could do here. And I hit the two-year mark with Keller. I started June 24th of 2020. And I hit the two-year mark with Keller. And I was like, what's next? Like, I want, I want more. I want to sell more. I want to meet more people. I want to do all these process improvements much to the chagrin of Dan sometimes, because he's like, all right, we've been doing it this way for 42 years. It's worked. You know, why do we have to change it? But that's just me as, as an entrepreneur. But what I realized is I don't have to change the company. I can change how I do things. So, you know, I looked back at my numbers from March 15th of 2021 to March 14th of 2022. And I said, all right, well, if I was able to hit this doing X, what happens if I just change it a little bit? And that's really sort of where the replicable pieces come in. So I can't tell you how to be me. I can't teach you how to be Amanda because there's only one Amanda, just like there's one Joe. But what I can tell you is that there are little things I am doing this year that maybe I didn't do last year, or I just was so new that I wasn't able to do it because all my time was spent on learning the industry. So for example, one of the things that has truly increased my close ratio is speed to estimating. And when we were in the thick of it, and what I mean by that is from June 24th of 2020 until probably exactly two two years later this summer, then things started trailing down when we were in the thick of it, I had very little time. I was going from one appointment to the next, to the next, to the next. Sometimes I was running four to five appointments a day. And my speed to estimating was super low, like, or slow. I would say a standard roof estimate, just a roof was taking me 72 hours to turn around. And now I can turn around a roof estimate within two hours, or maybe I'll even show up and have numbers with me if they want to discuss. I never try to close in the house. People are like, how are you selling $3.2 million when you're not doing a one call close? That's why I'm doing $3.2 million because I don't put pressure on people. I'm honest with them and I say, hey, I'm a homeowner too. Guess what I do when I look for home improvement um, improvements? I get multiple estimates because I'm just naturally a researcher and I understand that about people. They don't want to hire the first person they meet if if they don't know that person at all. So our company culture is to educate the consumer, let them get comfortable with you, the salesperson, let them get comfortable with the company and send them an estimate after you meet with them and offer to meet again with that individual or say, hey, happy to walk you through the details because we give extremely detailed estimates. And I would say a a standard roof right now, I'm closing at about 50%. So it's one of those things that everybody who's listening should really focus on, which is the speed to estimating. And don't push your estimate in the house. Ask if you have your numbers ready to go and you don't have to make any modifications because you did a quick measure and you ran all of your your numbers before you show up. Ask them if they want to see numbers. Ask them. Don't just present numbers. Ask them. And you know what? More times they're going to say no. And that's okay. And you can say, I totally understand, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm a homeowner myself too. I also get multiple estimates. I will send you your estimate via email. I'm going to follow up with you. I'll let you know when I send it. Please know that I offer this to all of my customers, which is I like to review the scopes of work because my estimate is going to be extremely detailed down to walking around the house with a three-foot magnet to we own our own dumpsters. And for bigger jobs, we bring, we bring porta-potties. What I want to help you do, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, is to understand apples to apples comparisons. Take the name of that other company off. Take the price off. I don't need to see that. Just send me the words. And you know what that does? It makes me look like the hero because I'm going in and offering help. 
I'm not trying to see the competitors' numbers. I'm not trying to see who they had out there because I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if I'm $5,000 more or $5,000 less. At the end of the day, the customers don't care about that either after they've had that experience with me. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so you're a true trusted advisor, as I would call it. That's that's one of our core values. And that's the way that we operate as well. We're not looking to pressure anyone. And there are sales trainers out there and sales programs that that do teach that one call close and all these different tactics. And there's just, you know, there's no right or wrong. I believe there's, you know, you've got to do what suits you. And you mentioned the word yes. alignment before, like you've got to be in alignment with what you're doing. And if you were, you know, if that company, the company that you work for was making you do the, you know, there may be a little bit more pressure, the one call close, you'd be out of alignment with you, who you are and you would not be closing at 50% because you'd be forcing it, right? Right. right. I feel like I'm, I'm very much that way as well. So that's really, that's really interesting. What is your line at the end if you're not necessarily, you know, if they don't want to see numbers and you're not asking for the business right there, what is your, like, how do you kind of part ways? Like, what's, what do you say? What do you ask them? What they, do you ask them what they want to do next or, or what? No, I say that I had an appointment yesterday with a gentleman, military veteran, actually. And we connected on that because my background in human resources consulting is actually in military hiring. That's a whole other podcast. But I, I just told him, I mean, after we walked through the roofing process and, went through all of the questions he had, all the questions I had for him. I just thanked him. I said, thank you so much for letting me come over today. I'm going to turn around this estimate within the next 24 hours. If you have any questions, just let me know. Literally, Joe, I feel like I break every single sales trainer's (laughs) top 10 tips to selling. And honestly, I mean, I love all you sales trainers out there, but you have to do what's authentic to you. And sometimes you can't follow other people's prescriptions. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Again, I'm very similar. I'm not, I'm not like a marketing guy. I'm not a a sales guy. Like I'm more relationship based. I'm not going to push you. I'll follow up. You know, that's part of my responsibility, but I'm not going to, it's not going to be in a pressure uh, you know, Mm -hmm. in in any type of pressure way. Uh, I wish I, I wish I had a formula. I don't. I just be a good human being, be nice to people, be authentic and treat them how you want to be treated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it really does go back to the basics, right? Like we're all at the end of the day, we're all people. And and I'm sure you do connect that way. I don't know what the progression is from where you are now, not to jump ahead too much, but you, you know, you don't have the formula. Is there, is there a, a world in which you're eventually like a sales manager where you have people under you and you are training them, other training other people within the company? Has that been discussed? Or are you just looking to, not just, because that's minimized, but like, <laughs> are you looking to continue making those improvements and tweaks every year and continue mm-hmm. to up your numbers? Like, what's the progression from here? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'm not the highest grossing salesperson. I'm the second highest grossing salesperson. Uh, Brendan is a freaking rock star. He's been with Keller for 13 or 14 years now, and he sells five and a half million dollars a year. Solid. And yeah, he makes it look so effortless. Now, the difference between he and I is that a huge majority of his business comes from referrals. Because he has 13 years at the company, he's got that massive referral base. And in our company, if somebody refers a new homeowner and it was a past client, that salesperson stays with that new account. So, you know, he he gets a lot of business that way. And I'm not discounting him at all. He's incredible. He and I sell completely differently. It, we're like night and day in terms of our process. And I think a lot of what it comes down to is, again, he's authentic to himself. I'm authentic to myself. And People are buying from both of us because they know we're not we're not trying to be somebody else. So this is prime example of what I mean before is you don't need to follow somebody else's prescription, especially if it doesn't align to who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. If you if you did um, a ride along with me, if you did a, a ride along with Brendan, if you did a ride along with Amy, if you did a ride along with Carl, you're all going to hear similar things that we say because we've been trained by the same person, which is Dan, who's the owner of Keller and Sons. He's George's son. Dan Dan Keller is George Keller's son. 
And our roots are all sort of in the same thing, which is that authenticity. And Dan's whole thing is, if you don't want to work with us, don't work with us. Like at the end of the day, we're fine. We're 42 years old. We're not going anywhere. It would be nice to sell your roof, but we don't have to. So why I'm saying that is because I am in the process of helping new salespeople get trained up. But at the end of the day, I will always be selling. I'm not going to pivot out of selling. I love it. I thrive on it. I like the money that comes from it. But the other side of me is I'm a helper. So whenever people have questions, whenever Dan's like, hey, you know, this flyer would be really beneficial for us to put into our folders, I jump on those opportunities. Um, I love flexing my creative muscles as much as I love flexing my sales muscles. So I think next steps for me in the industry would probably be growing my my coaching and my training, not only internally, but also externally as well. And I don't want to be a sales trainer. That's totally not what I want to do. Because like I said, I can't teach you how to sell. But what I can teach you is to, to put some finesse around your processes. And I've helped a, a bunch of people already in, in the sales space sort of look at what they do on a day-to-day basis and more from a business perspective than a sales perspective. Because if you don't have that digital presence on your local Facebook groups, you're, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. If you don't have a sales support admin, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. And I know this from my own life because... I do not have a sales admin. Brendan does. I do not. I've done all of my sales alone, meaning from the point that I go out to meet with that person to the point that money is collected on the back end. I basically manage that whole relationship. I don't hand off the sales support at all to anybody, but I will be. Dan's hiring somebody. So I can help people look and say, okay, where are your inconsistencies on the business side so that your salespeople can thrive? Because if you're if you're missing any of those pieces on the business side, that person is going to have roadblocks. And if that salesperson has roadblocks, guess what they're not doing? They're not selling to their max potential. So that's sort of where I see myself going in the future. Um, I love I love working with a company. I don't think I would ever start my own roofing business. That's not what I want to do. I love the culture of the company I'm with. I, I did hit my own roadblocks, but we worked through them, I think. And I think what's next is just to succeed personally every single year, um, outperform what I've done the year before, and then help other people on the business side succeed as well to make sure that the roadblocks are removed for their salespeople. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you mean helping people on the business side, like within the company that you work for or other companies, or have you got that far yet with your thinking or what? Yeah, definitely other companies. I, I'm only one person. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. I have a husband, two dogs, a house of my own. So I can't, I can't be this person that's flying around the country and, you know, doing what John DeRosa does. Although that sounds super fun, John. <laughs> yeah. Wrote a lot. yeah. Um, I've learned a ton from him as well. And while maybe that's like in my 10 year plan, um, I've got so much more to accomplish on my own sales journey before I sort of make a pivot into that consulting space full time. And I don't think Dan would let me go. Honestly, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think he would like throw a whole bunch of stuff my way trying to incentivize me to stay, which is totally fine. Yeah. But you know, any, any free time I have, I love, I love sort of diving into the nitty gritty of other people's businesses. Cool. I love that. That's awesome. What, uh, you talked about finesse around processes. That's uh, that's a cool phrase. Give us an idea of what, what that means or a couple examples of what that means to you. So where you and I met down in Florida was at Martin's conference. Reva. The roof. Yeah, the Riva Roofing Machine Conference. And I would say I learned a lot from that conference. And one of the things that stuck with me and literally sticks with me every single day is you have to differentiate yourself. So one of the things that like one of the tactics that um, I left off before when I was talking about speed to estimating, one of the tactics post Riva conference that I implemented was creating documents that 
I can hand out to people that they can use during our meeting, our estimating meeting, um, or anybody's. And I, I created this document. I've actually created like 10 or 12 documents that I give to different people for different reasons. And one of those documents I created was just a, a checklist of questions that you should go over with every single company you have come into your house for a roof estimate. And what Martin said, and it was one of those things that I think will always stick with me is you might think other people are doing these things, but they're not. And I'm taking the time to create these these ancillary documents that are only supporting my sales process and only making it easier to stand out among the rest. And at the end of the day, I think it comes back to habits and taking time to do something consistently every single time. If I have a busy day and I leave off 15 minutes of what I routinely do at every other appointment because I have to go and do all these other ones, guess what? My close ratio is going to decrease because I now know that if I take that extra 15 minutes, so instead of 45 minutes with somebody, I'm spending a full hour with them, and I go through that same process that I know works every single time or close to every single time, including going through those documents I created, I am going to get that sale way more likely than I would have if I left off that little bit of a differentiator. So the finesse comes in when you have to say to yourself, is everybody doing this or am I the only one that's taking the time to do this? And at the end of the day, I have more people telling me, thank you for being thorough and for explaining things to me than people who are not saying those things to me. And I think that at the end of the day is, is my differentiator is I take the time to explain things and I never assume that people don't want to know more. Right. Okay. I guess if they're ready to buy and they don't want you to go on and on, they'll just say, Hey, stop now. I'm ready. Like, let's get started. You know, I'm sure yeah, you get and that. I'll actually, I'll actually ask them. And thanks for bringing that up because that's one of those things that I, I feel like I used to do more of and shame on me for stopping it. But I, I would always ask early on, I would always ask people on a scale of one to 10, how much do you care about the details of your roofing of the roofing system? And one being, I already know everything there is to know about drip edge and starter strip and shingles. I don't need that. Or 10, please treat me like I've never heard about this before. And I would say 90% of people are usually on the 5 to 10 rating. And they want, they want to understand more about what's actually happening to their roof or what's going on their roof. But it doesn't mean you have to verbally vomit all of the different details about the shingles that you're offering, but speak more about what differentiates your your company to that customer than others. Like, hey, yeah, we're going to be doing a two day job here, but guess what? We're bringing a porta potty, or guess what? We're going to have a project manager on site the entire time. I can almost guarantee you that other people aren't talking about that. They're talking about their drip edge being molded versus bent on site, or they're talking about six feet of ice and water shield when, you know, GIF only requires three. That's great. We all do that though. In New Jersey, at least most master elite installers are doing six feet of ice and water shield. So, you know, that's not a differentiator. That's just a, that's a checkbox. Right. I love that you say that because it's, it's so true. There's in any market, in any country, in this country, in any market, uh, there's you know there's competitors, other companies that are doing the same like the same products. They're using the same products, maybe even using the same crews in, in a lot of cases, right? So it's like, okay. how are you going to stand out? It's the way that you make your the homeowner feel assured that this is not your first rodeo, right? Like you guys have a yes. process for this. You're not going to be causing a huge a huge disruption to their lives, right? Uh, they can count on you. You're going to be a point of contact. You're a normal person that's like going to answer the phone and things like that. Like people want to, to have that certainty. And I, I think that's interesting that, you know, people want that information. You said people are on that scale of five to 10 wanting to know more. And that just goes along with the way that we all make buying decisions today. I share this stat in, in a lot of my presentations that 70% of the buying decision is made before someone reaches out to a company for the first time. And 
they, you know, what are people looking for, right? They're looking for pricing. They're looking for like, you know, they're looking at reviews. They're looking at websites, looking at social media. They, they want to like take that decision like further than, than we used to, you know, five, 10 years ago, because we're so used to it in other aspects of our, you know, what we buy, whether it's Amazon or whether we're buying a car, buying a house, like you can, you know, you can find out all this information about the house you're going to buy or the car you're going to buy before you ever reach out to a realtor or before you go to a dealership. So people want that same experience with, with a contractor as well. So, um, we want to be empowered. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't take things at face value as much anymore. I believe maybe that's because of the media and, you know, social media and all that sort of thing. Like we want to feel more empowered. We want to do our own digging to kind of make our own conclusions. So that's cool that you spend extra time. I do. I do. And I could do it more now that we're slowing down a little bit than maybe when I was running five appointments. That was just crazy. I don't know how I survived. I definitely <laughs> thought about quitting a few times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, if you don't think about quitting once in a while, then you're just not, you know, you're not pushing yourself, you know, you're not getting out of your comfort zone enough. Wow. That's awesome. So what are some other things? I mean, I, I'm sure I'm guessing knowing you a little bit, like you're, you're pretty involved with your clients as far as uh, touch points, like checking in with them, communication, is that something that you really focus on in the sales process and then throughout their throughout their projects as well? Mm, so we have a production team that handles all the non front end of the house stuff. And what I mean by that is like front end is going to be all your sales stuff, all your pre-appointment communication, your estimating communication. So once I sell a job, all the production stuff gets handed off to the production team. But Nine times out of 10, if people have a question, they're calling me, Mm -hmm. even if that question can't be answered by me, like scheduling for their install. But I never say, oh, you need to call Corey. I'll go walk to Corey's office and say, hey, when's Mr. and Smith, Mr. and Mrs. Smith on the schedule? And she'll be like, don't tell them December 15th, because you know, it's going to change for over the next uh, week or so. So I will always go out of my way to answer questions, even if I'm not the right person. And trust me, our template language says, if you have scheduling related questions, please contact Corey Keller. Um, (laughs) But they still call me because they know that I'm going to answer the phone. They know that I'm going to text them back and they know if I can't answer it, they're going to, I'm going to find the right answer for them. And it's just easier to call me and that's fine. And hopefully when I get my sales admin, it will be a little bit easier to manage that volume sometimes. Right. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Like a homeowner has spent an hour with you, a lot of communication in that sales process. Like they, they feel like yes. they know you. So it's like, oh, I have a question. I'm going to call Amanda. They don't know Corey personally, right? So right. That, that makes sense. We get that a decent amount too. It just happened today, actually. A new client of ours reached out to Dan, the sales guy. And we're like, why did he reach out to Dan? He knows that like Sydney's his point of contact here, but it's like, well, he spent an hour on the, on zoom with Dan, like had that relationship. So that kind of makes sense. So, so what did that teach you, Joe, as the business owner? What did that teach you? Well, I just put, we're going to talk about it in our meeting tomorrow. So we have a meeting every Monday, Friday for our, you know, what we, we call fulfillment uh, for our services. You guys call production, same thing. So we're like, all right, well, how can we make it clearer to our clients that their point of contact is going to be their trainer, not the sales rep. And right. part of that for us is like, well, this client's name is Kevin. And it's like, well, well, Dan is the only phone number that Kevin has. And you know, like, you know, contractors, it's like, well, I got a problem. I'm just going to pick up my phone and make a phone call, right. you know? So I can see that. And he's old, Kevin's old school. So I can definitely see that. Whereas with mm-hmm. us, it's more like, it's more email. It's more like schedule a call on Calendly. It's more there's more friction to kind of like, you know, right. get on the horn with us. So we just uh, implemented a new CRM, which is going to include a lot more like textings. We'll have like an, a, a text message mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, support line, if you will, right. to figure out the phone call end of things. But we just look yeah. at, you know, I'm not saying, well, what the heck? Why did Kevin call Dan? That makes no sense. It's like, well, right. we take ownership of that. Well, why put ourselves in Kevin's shoes? Why would he call Dan and not us? And now we can see we can see why and we can make that adjustment to our process. Exactly. And somebody from a neutral perspective, I don't know Kevin, I know you obviously, but I also don't know Dan and I don't know your fulfillment people. I would think that maybe one of the process improvements that you could make is 
once that contract is signed and that handoff has to happen between Dan and your fulfillment people, maybe that person who is now the account manager or the trainer should hop on a call for 45 minutes and and become that top of mind person, not just a, hey, Dan's telling Kevin that your new point of contact is, I forget the person's name, Um, but actually have that person hop on a call and now start building that relationship. So yeah, Dan was a nice guy during the sales process, but now I can trust X and this is who I know that I need to call going forward. So it might be a little bit more work on the front end, but you're also going to free up Dan's time to do what Dan does best, which is sell. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, that's a great point. The recommendation. So we actually do that. It's our onboarding call. It is about 45 minutes with a new client, but you know, as a, as a contractor, just, you know, it's just, yeah. there's, that just goes to show you, like, we think we're doing a good enough job, you know, not there's never good enough, but we think we're doing a good job at laying all this stuff out clearly for our clients, but you can always be more clear, right? Like you're talking yes. about, you know, you're talking about the drip edge and the fascia and all that stuff, uh, ice and water shield. Like I think, you know, one of the challenges of any, like a sales job in the roofing industry is like taking something that is that is complex to most people. Like they just don't understand the terms, whereas you do it every day and just breaking it down into like, okay, what do they need to know? What do they want to know? What's going to overwhelm them? that sort of thing. And, uh, and that's, that's the most challenging part of my job as well. It's like how to take this, you know, this marketing topic that can be complex to contractors and break it down to give them what they need, but not too much. Don't overwhelm them, not too much at once. So, you know, that's a constant, uh, area for improvement. So, well, let's switch gears a little bit because people are going to hate me if I don't ask this question. I think a lot of people are wondering at this point in the show, they probably have been like wanting me to ask this for the last half hour, but you basically close 3 million a year at 50%. So you basically have about around $6 million in opportunity. How do you, where's your, where do your leads come from? All right. The magic question (laughs) in the roofing industry, where do you get your leads? So talk about that. So I'm the only salesperson at our company currently that does self-generated leads as well as company-generated leads. And that's not referrals. So Brendan gets a a really hefty amount of, I guess you could say, self-generated leads because he's getting the referral. But I'm talking about people who have no relationship to Keller whatsoever with anybody else. And I'm building those referrals through different networking opportunities. I'm highly involved in the Morris County Chamber of Commerce. I am also involved with other networking organizations. I spent some time with BNI. I know there's other organizations like LATIP. They weren't as lucrative for me. Those types of networking opportunities weren't as lucrative as they may have been for Dan, Dan Keller. He he gets a ton. He's not selling anymore. Um, he's operating the business, but he still gets a ton of referrals from his BNI network. So I know it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to find the right BNI group. My Morris County Chamber of Commerce network is more of a long-term play. It's not like I show up to their events and then I get a lead and I close a deal. Right. It's more of I'm building my relationships with those people. So in a year's time or two years time, when that perfect opportunity presents itself and that person knows me, likes me, and trusts me, they're going to refer me. And... I have, interestingly enough, I have sold more to people who are chamber members or more to people who are BNI members than to their referrals. So don't go into those networking opportunities thinking that I'm going to meet these people and then get referred to their network. Theoretically, that should be what is happening. But I have grown so close to the members themselves that they end up using me for their their roofing needs or their siding needs. Mm-hmm. So that has been very successful. What hasn't been successful is that next step. Right. So that person who is a Morris County Chamber member referring me to friends or family. Mm-hmm. But I know that's coming. And I'm, I'm very involved in the women in business program as well. So if you're a woman in the roofing industry or construction industry, see if your chambers of commerce have a women in business program and try to get as involved there as you can. The other biggest thing for me, and honestly, I think this is what sets me apart versus 
anybody else, woman or not, is that I have that digital community of 7,600 people who all are hyper local to Morris County. And I built that community starting in 2017. And it had absolutely nothing to do with roofing, siding, windows, doors, whatever. But I am the walking, talking Angie's list. I (laughs) joke around and call myself that. Because at any time when one of those 7,600 people are looking for a referral in the construction space, guess what I'm doing? I'm referring the heck out of trusted people. And that makes me more well-known. I very rarely tell people in that group what I do. I don't go and, you know, every single day remind people that I'm in roofing sales. But when they reach out to me and they're like, hey, um, I saw that you gave Amy a great plumbing referral. Do you happen to know somebody that does attic stairs? And I can say, well, you know, I'm up in attics all day long with what I do. And I know that Joe Smith is a phenomenal carpenter that can help you with those attic stairs. And then this woman goes, oh, why are you in attics? What do you do? And then I open up that conversation about roofing and then that just naturally creates that relationship. So if you're if you do not have a solid Facebook group presence, it doesn't have to be your own group. It could be another local Facebook group. You need to get on that. And I think that's sort of where my honestly where my training opportunity probably lies, Joe, now that I'm talking to you is teaching people how to use their local Facebook groups to generate business. Mm-hmm. But that's probably my largest generation of leads outside of company generated leads. I would say a solid 30% of my business comes from Facebook groups. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. So a few things there, you started the group. That's great. People are, you know, not most people don't have a group that has 7,600 people in it or even 76 people or even a group, right? So (laughs) you can start your own group if you want. You can also I don't know if this uh, aligns with Facebook's actual terms of service, but you can purchase a group from someone that runs a group. It could be a local group, a buy, sell, trade group, a mo- you know local mom's group, whatever. There are opportunities where if you see a group that's maybe you can reach out to the admin and see if it's available for purchase. And if you do that, if you have a group or you do buy one, you know, do what Amanda's talking about. Like, don't go in there being, you know, trying to sell everyone a roof, right? Like you're just going to burn through that, that, that audience so quickly. So be that person of value that's propping up other people. And naturally those conversations will happen. And it's, that's the way to do it for sure. Uh, yeah, and then, and like I, I do know Joe that it's illegal to buy Facebook groups. So okay, well, <laughs> the workaround for that is you hire that admin as a 1099 and you just pay them, a, you know, a fee. <laughs> okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, they can theoretically be a 1099 salesperson for you, or you can even bring them on as a W-2 employee and have them do some have them uh, do some work because they're going to be the ones that already have that longstanding relationship as an admin within that group. And why not turn them into a salesperson for you? There you go. Or you can, I guess you could keep it even simpler and just offer to, you know, be an advertiser of that group and you know, give them a, write them a check every, every year, every month. And, you know, um, yeah, certainly that's, that's the way to do it. And then even if you don't have your own group or anything like that, like anyone, we all belong to these local Facebook groups. Like anyone can go into a group and just, you know, add value, recommend that sort of thing. Like I do the same thing in the, in the roofing groups, the national based roofing groups, like every day, I'm in there answering questions, recommending other people, providing value, not selling, and guess what? Like people reach out to me in, in the DMs all the time. Like I hear you're the guy to talk to, or I need help with this, or how yes. can you help me win with marketing? I got one of those today, which is really cool. So that was actually from a yeah. John DeRosa post, which is, uh, he's awesome. I saw that this morning. He totally gave you a shout out. Yeah. And then someone's in my DMs like, Hey, I want to win more. I, I want to win more. How can you help me grow my business? I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what's amazing is when people like John or like Martin or the other, you know, the other powerhouses in the industry start name dropping you. They're not doing that. They're not doing that because they're doing that a because they like you. You know, they 
you're a likable person, obviously, but they trust the heck out of what you're offering. Right. John would never say that about somebody he doesn't trust because he's putting his own reputation on the line. Yeah. So obviously you've built enough credibility with him by whatever you're doing with your customers. And that is getting back to John in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And John's just like, Hey, you know, if, if I trust this person to help other people, I'm going to talk about it because at the end of the day, guess what happens? You're now going to be like, hey, John, thanks for doing that. I'm going to promote you too because you're a good dude. You've helped me. I want to help you. And at the end of the day, we're all helping each other, all good people helping each other grow each other's businesses and then help our clients succeed. That's really how it works. That is business. And actually that already happened. So John and I met at that at that Reva event and we chatted a couple times. Uh, I interviewed him on my podcast a few weeks ago. I don't think it went live actually quite yet. We got to know each other. He he mentioned us to a roofing company in Texas who turned out to be an awesome client that's doing really well. So it's like, yeah, when you get a referral from someone that is in a, in a place of influence, like we try to go a little bit, you know, above and beyond to make sure that that person's taken care of because like, yeah, someone's going out of their way to like recommend you. You want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to make that a, a huge success. So yeah, I mean, anyone can do it like and put in the work, carve out 15, 20 minutes a day. That's what I do. Like I'm not in Facebook all day. Some people might think that because I have a lot of content out there, but I'll spend, you know, maybe 20 minutes a day popping around to the different groups. I'll do a search for marketing. I'll do a search for videos. I'll do a search for social media. I'll answer some questions. I'll post some value. I'll, you know, post some videos and things like that. And I'm in and out. Like that's my, that's my daily business development activity. And uh, anyone can do that in a local Facebook group. So it's not going to happen overnight, like you said, but it, it does happen for sure. And that's why like those people in the, in the chamber of commerce, right? Like they've maybe hired you, but they're, you know, they don't know you well enough to, you know, put their name on the line, maybe quite yet to recommend you. But now that, you know, they're a customer of yours, they can definitely vouch for the services you provide. So uh, it definitely takes a little time, but you're right. You're planting those seeds, you're playing the long game. And, uh, you know, th- you got to start today. You know, it's December. It doesn't matter if you're in, you know, Minneapolis and you're not roofing for the next couple months or whatever, like start planting those seeds today because you're not, you're not looking for a sale tomorrow. You're looking for, you know, maybe that, that seed to be able to harvest that seed in, in 90 days. You never know. Yes. Um, cool. So anything else you want to touch on as far as your, your sale? Like what are some of those tweaks that you're making for, for 2023? Oh, that's a really good question. So anything I can do to free up some of my time is what I'm focusing on. But I actually set a a goal of mine back in October for 2023 for collaboration. That's sort of like my big 2023 keyword is I'm going to collaborate with people who I know in some way, shape or form I can help or they can also help me. And it can't just be a one-way street. I'm tired of giving, giving, giving and getting nothing in return um, because my time is extremely valuable and my network is extremely valuable. So I sort of feel like I put in my generosity (laughs) over the last two two years and I'm really going to focus on those relationships that are a two-way street Mm -hmm. and be very intentional with who I'm spending time with. And I think we all need to do that. All successful people. And I have to tell you, Joe, one of the reasons I got back into the gym was because when I was uh, down in Florida and you were up on that panel with all the other guys who were in incredible shape, I was like, man, every single one of these people take their health. They put their health as a priority in their lives. And I need to start surrounding myself with people who also are doing that same thing because one of the biggest ways I think every single one of us in sales can increase our productivity is by being healthy and surrounding ourselves with people who also take their health seriously. And uh, I just want to say thanks for being a role model because you and a bunch of those other guys up on the panel, you all have kids, not all of you, but a lot of you have kids. A lot of them are young, but yet you're still, you know, you're at the top of your game physically, mentally, emotionally, 
from a business perspective. And I'm looking forward to sort of hitting the ground running in 2023 with those collaborations that also take all those aspects seriously. I love it. I love it. Me too. I'm like doubling down on that. Like that's, uh, I really get along with people that are intentional with what they want and what they're doing. I find it difficult to get along with people who are like all over the place and not focused. Like, it, right. It's really hard for me to even have a conversation. I don't know. Just that's just me personally. But like people that are intentional, that are locked in, like I like spending time with those people in person because it, it rubs off on you. Like you see that level at which they're operating, and like wow, I like that's because we have limited time, and you get you get to your capacity. You're like I do not have any more time in the day. So right. what like what's the next optimization? Well, it's like how am I spending that time? What can I get rid of? You know, it, what meetings can I cut down from 30 to 15 minutes without losing value? You know, maybe not the sales meeting, maybe an internal meet, whatever it is, but just getting intentional with everything that you do. And yeah, if you're if you're not on your game, like sleep wise, health wise, you know, uh, energy, then you're just not going to be able to squeeze as much out of every hour as the guy or the girl who is. So, all right, that's awesome. I love that goal. All right. Um, you got time to uh, wrap it up with a few fun questions for uh, lightning round. Sure. All right. All right. Cool. Let's do it. All right. Well, before we get into that, I just need to say thank you again. Uh, this is, this is, don't take this around the way. Like you're, you're a normal person that, that like, there's nothing fancy about your process. There's no like crazy tactics or weird word tricks that you're using to like close a bunch of deals, you know? So I think a lot of people can relate to that especially maybe people who have gotten some sales training or have been to a, to an event or, you know, they've accessed some videos online. Like, yeah, that's not really like, I guess there's a fine line, right? It's like, well, it's not really my style. I'm not going to do that. Well, I think we have to be aware enough to say, all right, well, that is a little uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to push myself a little bit more mm-hmm. while still being in alignment with myself. So I think a lot of people can resonate with your approach. So yeah, thanks again for sharing. That was, uh, I think this is gonna be really, really valuable. Good. Happy to. Yeah. All right. So lightning round, quick questions, just to have some fun, bring the human element to it. Because at the end of the day, people do business with people and that's how we connect. Mm-hmm. So current book that you're reading, assuming that you're a reader. Um, I have very little time to read, but I listen to YouTube videos, podcasts, and books on tape uh, pretty much wherever I'm driving. And I consume anything, whatever piques my interest at that time. But I would say I've been listening to a lot of David Goggins. There was a bunch of Riva recommendations. And I know I added those to Audible when I was on the plane, but I still have yet to listen to a lot of them. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, watch out for Goggins. He'll make you, uh, he'll make you do some crazy stuff. So I'm definitely not running marathons anytime soon. All right. I'm doing one next weekend. You can join me if you want down the shore. I'd rather lift weights than run. Okay. Most people would, would agree with you. Yes. All right. What is your morning routine? Would you trust me if I told you I don't really have one? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Every day, every day is different, okay. but I'd never miss my cup of coffee. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say our kids are 10 and seven, so it gets a little bit easier to have a routine when they get a little bit older. You can, you know, calculate when they're going to get up and kind of get up an hour earlier. So you have your time if that's something that is you know, interesting to you, but, uh, that's time. Time's great. (laughs) (laughs) So you'll, uh, maybe they'll get a little bit easier, but I get it for sure. Uh, next travel destination. The next one on my docket is probably Dallas for NWIR day, national women in roofing, uh, down in Dallas in March. But personally, I'm going to Hawaii July 4th. Nice. Family? Yeah, we're going, uh, 10 of us are going. That's amazing. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So you're not, uh, you're not working on a Saturday. You've got your chores done, whatever you do around the house and all that sort of thing. What are you doing on a free Saturday? If I don't have my kids with me, I would love to be on a horse farm getting some time alone with horses. If I have my kids with me, probably exploring some of the local farms 
Um, I have some really great friends who own farms in our area, and we love all the pumpkin picking, apple picking, all the activities that the farms here offer because we are the garden state, Joe. We are, yes. Most people who have (laughs) flown into Newark Airport don't uh, understand that statement, but yes, we are. Lots of farmland in New Jersey, uh, which surprises people. So finally, how can people connect with you if they want to follow along or just connect with you personally? Sure. So Facebook is obviously the best way because we've talked a lot about both of us being on Facebook 24-7, it seems. But I would say LinkedIn as well. I don't use it as much anymore. On When I was on the HR side, I used it all the time. I have like 11,000 connections on LinkedIn, which is crazy. But you can shoot me messages on LinkedIn, but Facebook's going to be the easiest way to get a hold of me. All right. We'll make sure we put those links in the uh, below wherever this video or audio is. And yeah, Amanda, uh, thanks so much again. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for hanging out, for sharing some value. I look forward to, to you know staying connected online and seeing you at one of these events coming up soon. Sounds good. Thank you.